This show is brought to you by Cakes and Tins, where you can send the people you adore delightful and delicious gifts that give back. Go to cakesintins.com and use the code ACTINGREAL for 10% off. This show is also brought to you by LA Bookmaker, a deluxe stationery shop and custom bookbinder, offering handmade foil stamped cards, high quality calendars, and other ephemeral gifts. Go to la-bookmaker.com. Hi, uh, our clarity story today comes from Jim Husted, um, who some of you may know as my husband. Although I've said before, he's not really my husband. We're not exact, we're not legally married yet. We're just engaged, and we have a baby and we a house together. So <laughs> he's basically my husband, um, and we will get married officially at some point when we can get it together to plan a wedding. Okay. Uh, the, I asked him, of course, to submit this clarity story, um, because I love this story and, um, it's, uh, the, the, the clarity he gained in this story in some ways is, uh, is responsible for our being together. Um, I'll explain that more maybe when the story is over. Um, I also, I wanted to add this, I wanted to partner this clarity story with um, Zibby, Zibby's episode because Zibby's one of my best friends in the world and um, we were hanging out. Uh, you don't know this, first of all, I should say, Jim, Jim and I met because he was my downstairs neighbor. He was my downstairs neighbor for seven years before he and I really connected. Um, I had been in the apartment upstairs for nine years. So, um, so I had lived there for a couple years and then, um, Jim moved in, uh, and we were just like neighbors until one day we were like, Hey, let's hang out. And then we, um, you know, hung out and started a relationship. And then now we are married and have a baby in the house. Um, so, but Zibby was around when Jim first moved into the building. Um, and so, you know, it would be, like seven years until he and I would actually like get together. Um, but I didn't know that we would get together when he first moved in, but we still, still Zibby and I, who were both single at the time, we used to joke. Um, we just dug him. We dug Jim, we dug his vibe. <laughs> we dug his whole gestalt. And, um, so we would like pretend we would knock on my floor. We would sit on my floor and knock and we would say, Jim, come marry us. <laughs> but it was totally a joke. And sure enough, you know, by the way, he was in a long relationship. I was in a lot, I was engaged to somebody else. Like, you know, there was a lot that happened in between Zibby and I joking about Jim marrying us and, Jim and I actually getting together. Um, but you know, it obviously was sort of a prescient joke. <laughs> anyway, this is his story. Um, and he's begun it with a quote from a Simon and Garfunkel song called old friends. Um, the story is called midnight curfew. Old friends, old friends sat on their park bench, like bookends, a newspaper blown through the grass falls on the round toes of the high shoes of the old friends. Old friends, winter companions, the old men lost in their overcoats waiting for the sunset. The sounds of the city sifting through trees settle like dust on the shoulders of the old friends. And again, that's Simon and Garfunkel. 
And this is Jim's story. The night I found Clarity started just like most of the others. Dinner service finished, bar crowd clearing out, friends trickling in throughout the night until it was just me and them having one last drink and laugh before heading down to one of our normal neighborhood haunts for last call, or four. It's an easy rhythm you fall into owning restaurants and bars. Part of working is entertaining. The lines are blurry, real blurry. Typical after work hanging and drinking didn't even start until 11 p.m. or so. And this is after a full night of drinks and fun while, quote unquote, working. When we made it to our destination, we bellied up to the bar, greeted bartenders we knew by name, got drinks and piled into a big old booth. A drink or two later and it's past midnight. A bit buzzed, I can't help but think, I've had these laughs, I've heard these stories, I've done this night more times than I can possibly remember. These are my best friends, still are, but I couldn't help but think I'd lived this night too many times and in a moment of clarity, put my drink down, stood up, said goodbye and walked home. In that moment, I knew that I didn't need to be out past midnight any longer. It was like realizing you're living in Groundhog's Day, middle-aged and confident. I'd had all the fun for me, three others, and two lifetimes. I decided I needed a midnight curfew, or else this was the only fun I'd ever know. Years later, and it's the best move I've ever made, I'm occasionally out past midnight for some new experience or to catch up with those same old friends, but it's the exception, not the rule. Oh, I just love my husband so much. <laughs> the story makes me cry. And if it weren't for that midnight curfew, he and I would never hang out because he would suddenly, you know, he used to stay out 2 a.m., 4 a.m. And, um, you know, now he was getting home at midnight and sort of like, I don't know what to do. And so it was on one of those early midnight curfew nights that he texted me. He had my number from some project we'd very briefly worked on years before, but he texted me and said, Hey, I wish, you know, I wish our building, I wish people in our building ever hung out. We had this beautiful courtyard building and he had just read, um, some Malcolm Gladwell book about French impressionists, <laughs> um, who, you know, would drink together late into the night and courtyards in Paris. And so he said, I wish, I wish our building was kind of like, you know, where, where people could hang out in the courtyard and drink wine and smoke cigarettes. And, um, anyway, and I texted him back immediately. It was like 1145. I'd already washed off all my makeup. I'd had a really hard night. I'd had a massive emotional breakdown just that evening. <laughs> and he, then I got this text out of the blue and I texted him immediately. And I said, I'll come down and have a glass of wine with you. And that was the first night we hung out. So anyway, thank you, Jim, for, for sending this story to me and for telling this story. And thank you for giving yourself a midnight curfew. Love you guys. If you have a story about a time that changed your life, it can be very mundane. You were hanging out by yourself and you had a thought, or it can be crazy, crazy. You uh, were drinking plant medicine and you had a vision. Um, whatever the story is, if you want to share it, I want to hear it. I really, really, really do want to hear from you. Please email me at claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. That's claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. 
Zibby Allen is my guest today, and she is one of my closest friends in the whole wide universe. And I am so fortunate to have her as uh, one of my closest friends because she is so intensely wise um, and so knowing and has so much clarity about what is important and what is not important. Um, and, um, and I mean, she's really uh, just... A, a huge source of light in my life. Um, and I think this episode can be a source of light in your life um, as it is in mine. Uh, we recorded this episode a long time ago, uh, like two years ago. Um, and so, you know, it, the times were very different than they are now, but this episode is so personal that actually it's so universal. And I mean, we talk about shame and processing pain and, um, hitting walls. And, um, she tells an amazing story about, uh, some reckoning she had with a, a high, an elementary school teacher. Um, this had to do with shame. Uh, I, I, I just, I, this episode is, is really one of my faves. Um, it's just so, there's, it's just so full. Uh, and Zimmy and I, because we know each other so well, we just go really, really deep so fast. And, um, we talk about self-worth. We talk about G Zibby's journey into self-worth. Um, but I really wanted to do a part duh because of course this was two years ago. Uh, and so, we recorded a part de, um, and this part de, you know, we talk about this false hierarchy is that we tend to pin ourselves to in some way where we're either, you know, more valuable or less valuable, more important, less important, you know, than somebody else. And we talk about our resolutions going into the new year. Um, it's just really rich stuff. And and we talk about also, you know, two years later, Zibi has really in so many very external ways reaped the benefit and, and internal. But certainly external things have shown up in her world that um, likely would not have shown up had she not done all of the work that you hear about her doing in the first episode. So it's a really nice bookend um, and update. Um, I adore this woman so much in case you don't know her. She is an actress, writer, producer, and singer-songwriter. You've seen her on The Twilight Zone, For the People, The Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Bates Motel, Rogue, The Exorcist, Shit My Dad Says, and Grey's Anatomy, and also probably more. I think this is an old uh, blurb. Sorry, Zibby. But that's cool because there's really a lot of cool updates here. Um, also, Zibby's band, Socks and Chimes, a ukulele-wielding folk duo, has an album called Love You Overall, which is available on iTunes. Upcoming, and this is like the really fun part, you get to see Zibby on every episode of the Netflix show Virgin River. Um, she comes on as a new character season three, and I think um, I'm so excited to watch it, and it sounds like it's going to be amazing. And... Um, um, Zibi is amazing, and I, we're so lucky to have her on the show. And um, what else can I tell you? I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I absolutely love you. I absolutely love Zibi. Um, and uh, I, um, yeah, that's all. That's all, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being here. need for my life. 
Here's where I want to start is what you were just saying that like, but since that's happened. Since from that s- moment in time, and frankly, like from the wedding on, but this year, and this was just like one huge, huge event that just catapulted everything and like forced me to go all the way is like such like a deep rooting uh, up, like, yeah. Like uh, excavation of like some major, major sub- subconscious belief systems that have just been absolutely dictating a reality. And I just had no idea for so long and I've had such huge epiphanies that have really shifted me Yeah, and put me in a place of being able to be so much more deliberate about, frankly, like to use that term, being in my own worth, like, ex- like really being in my worth yeah. and, and knowing what that means. Like here, I'd hear that sometimes and I'd always have like a little moment in my heart where I'm like, I don't think I'm in mine, but I didn't know what that meant or where that began and ended. And now I have like such a stronger sense of that. And I think it's probably a forever discovery, right? but I feel like it's the shift I've been waiting for, but didn't know where to look until all of these events happened. So wait, do you feel like being in your worth uh, once you once you find your worth, that your worth just gets greater over time. I think my worth has never not been great. Like your self worth gets greater, is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the self worth has always been the the constant. It's the forgotten right, self worth. Feeling of self worth. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right. expanding into that, it means that like my actions and my behaviors now stem from a sense of self worth that's far more expansive than what it was even honestly six months ago, but right. most certainly a fucking year ago and definitely, definitely five years ago. And so like, what, if you, if you, if you call the end of this journey, which of course is like the beginning right. of another journey, but if you call the end of it, um, like being in my self-worth uh-huh. or like, I don't know how you want to emphasize that, like being solidly in your self-worth or like being effortlessly in your self-worth or whatever, Mm-hmm. is the end of the journey, which is like either you're approaching now or finding yourself in now, like the finale of this journey. Mm-hmm. What What is the, what would have been the beginning of the journey? Uh, the beginning of the journey would have been, I don't understand my value and therefore I can't meet, like it's it can't be mirrored back to me mm. the way... Um, I so desperately wanted. Right. Before. Right. Right. So but, like, but that's such a complex. It's dude, complex, but like, gotta, it's we got to break that down a little bit. Yeah. Because it doesn't. Why is it that? Can you just explain why you're not understanding your value means that it can't be mirrored back to you? Mm-hmm. That's it's a it is a complex question meaning that mm-hmm. like in a real world sort of grounded way that like yeah. if you feel like shit about yourself but people on the outside are giving you lots of love and like and actually your world is showing you that like things are okay and that you're okay mm-hmm. and that you're loved and supported mm-hmm. you can't even see that right so then i can't allow for that to make its way all the way to me and then have more come like it creates a stop it's right. a block it's a buffer between me and that which is actually true so right. even in times where a lot of love wants to come my way if some part of me doesn't believe i'm worthy of that love then i actually can't do it like a healthy wonderful dance with that love i right. can only hear it and hope that it's true 
And it it's like the difference of eating a crumb and then having like a full beautiful meal like when you prepared where I'm satiated and full and I get to really feast off of that love right. but I uh, because I, if I'm in a place where I don't feel like I deserve it then I'm constantly starving even though the love is right there it's right. just because I don't I have no there's a deep subconscious belief I'm not deserving of it right right and so when you recognize when I recognize what that I am deserved or that I am great Mm -hmm. um, or that I am a creative force or that I am worthy of fill in the blank. Then when I meet those things, when those aspects, those things that would show up as evidence toward that mm -hmm. pop up in my world, right. suddenly I'm like, Oh, Hey friend. And it feels like nothing as opposed to please don't go away. I hope I don't fuck this up. I, mm -hmm. uh, how am I worthy of this? And I'm, you know, it's that constant like contraction right. where I'm talking about expansiveness right. and that expansion feels good. Yeah. And it feels more in, it feels more congruent with like a familiar feeling of a time before a time of before a time that I had a sense of self. It was right. like, you know, right, right. The, the time before the timing, like the time before you even had any idea that you wouldn't have a sense of self. Yeah, like, like, the, like exactly. Like, like before like, identity was a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so now I get to like enjoy playing with identity, but also like at the base of that is a far more expanded and hopefully continually through my life. I, I am now implementing tools as I go and always have been, but like, right. this is so much what this podcast is, is like, how do I continue to implement tools to get closer and closer to the most expanded version of me that I can yes. and still have an identity and do dance with the world. By the way, beautiful. And like, I hope that's what this podcast is about. I believe <laughs> like, that's so what this podcast is said. about. Yeah. That, I mean, from listening from, from our connection, you know, mm. our friendship, knowing you so intimately in this one way where you're just like such a conscious, conscientious being and a conscious chaser. And like, mm -hmm. you want to know and you lead with so much curiosity, like all that translates. And then also listening to this podcast, that is the message I get over and over mm -hmm. and over again. Mm -hmm. There's, you haven't had a single person on this podcast who hasn't been in a state of self inquiry that's led them to new revelations about self. Well, that's it. I mean, that's, like, let us all, if nothing else, aspire mm -hmm. to be in a state of self-inquiry. Yeah. It's like, if it's nothing savior. else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. Like, nothing else actually matters. Yeah. Because from there, anything can happen. Right, 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 right. So right. if you're worried about your next job or your income or mm -hmm. whether or not you're going to whatever it mm -hmm. is, meet the person that you want to meet. Just mm -hmm. start with self-inquiry because from there, all everything else is, everything I think, I think in my mm -hmm. experience is connected to my subconscious beliefs. So I'm not, yep. if I'm not getting deeply curious about what's there in the subconscious, mm -hmm. then I'm remaining obscured from what's possible for me. Exactly. And then your world just kind of closes in on you. It shrinks. Yeah. And then you start to think that that what is real is just what you see on the outside. Yes. If you're not if you're not forcing yourself to go in, yeah. then you start to be like, "Oh, yeah, this is my world. Yeah, what I see is what is real. My right. my house, my boyfriend right. or girlfriend, my car, like these things are reflections of something real. And how painful is that? Because it's so yeah. limiting. All the things you named are quite small yeah. and stagnant and unexpansive and like they all have a cap to them. And so right. if you're limited to being defined by those 
few reflections of your reality. My God, like we're here for a really long time. It reminds (laughs) me of this thing. We just, uh, we, um, did an episode with Michaela Watkins, who you, um, so generously introduced us to who I, I love her too. So by the way, PS, I'm just going to admit this. So she and I really only know each other on an acquaintance level. Yeah. Um, but she is somebody that I, she's super expansive for me. Like I yeah. have, I secretly, Michaela, I hope, I hope you listen to this, but yeah. also like, I feel like I just, one day I'm going to text sure. her because sure. we do have each other's information. Yeah. We see each other. Uh, I have always paid attention to her since I first discovered Same. her. Because there's something about her that I relate to deeply, but then she is an expander for yeah. me. Same, yeah. same, same. Yeah. yeah. I find her very inspiring, but she was talking about, she, she talked about this, um, imp- improv show that she did with Jason Manzoukas <laughs> where it was just like them two on a stage for like, however long the show is, I think it was like an hour or whatever. And, um, she said that Jason said that at some point, 15 minutes in, she, he, he said to her this before the show, he said, that's like, he's, he said at some point in the show, you're going to feel like it's going so amazingly and you're going to, you're going to be so stoked and you'll be like, okay, we're about to wrap up and you'll look at the clock and only 15 minutes have gone by and you're going to want to die because you feel like there's nothing left that you can say. Like there's no more (laughs) funny in you. There's no, he said, and at that point, what you need to do is dig deeper. Mm. And then her, so that exact same thing happened. Like they had a killer show. She thought it was almost over and she looked at the clock and only 15 minutes had gone by and she was like, what the, what And she probably, that second half probably was one of the most profound moments. Well, she dug deeper Uh and she said, to him, this is what came out when she dug. She said, are you, do you get lonely? Oh my God. Awesome. Like that's just, and that is really like, you know, like we've done the thing, we've done the material world, right. For our day or our week or our year or our years, we've done the material. Okay. And then all of a sudden we look around and whether it looks like it's awesome and we're like, yep, I'm rich. Now I get to retire. Or we're like, fuck, how did my life go by? And like, I don't have what I wanted to have on Mm -hmm. the outside. And also like, I'm lonely. And also like, maybe my health is failing or like whatever the circumstances or a combination of the two you're yeah. very rich and you have shitty health yeah you're or lonely. you're very rich and you're like now i just need to hang on to it and maintain it yeah like whatever I the keep doing what i did to exactly make that work right. right so there's suddenly a sense where like wherever you've arrived if you focused on this material thing like that that what you have is this outside version of your life when you hit that point like all you can do is go inward we have to go inward yeah. and hopefully if we We've been going inward our whole lives. If we've spent the first two hours of our day, let's say, working on our groceries and our kids and whatever, but then we've taken that 20 minutes or hour or two hours or five hours to go inside, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's meditating or praying or journaling or doing art or whatever it is hopefully like we can have had that balance, but you will always hit a wall if all you're doing is being on the outside. Yeah. You will hit many walls. And what's interesting is that it's actually in hitting those walls, if you hit them hard enough, that typically propels us back to self-inquiry because we get comfortable. And there's a reason why, like, you know, we can say meditating 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night or meditating every day or whatever the Mm -hmm. goal is of of going inward. It's so much easier to say, oh, I I should do that and then fall off of it Mm -hmm. for two reasons. One, we get comfortable. And two, we don't like to be uncomfortable. And going inward has historically been uncomfortable for me. It's not, it's not like 
roses and unicorns when I close my eyes and go into a meditative state, I'm actually confronted with my noisiest, most, um, frankly, like brutal thoughts um, that are, it's usually anxiety thoughts for me. And, you know, to sit with those and expand into the discomfort of that. I'm just going to use that word for like mm-hmm. for the rest of this podcast, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then I'm expanding my capacity to be uncomfortable. And then once I'm there, I can like sink in a little mm-hmm. bit deeper. But so that's why often it takes major life events to get us back to that place. And so I vacillate. It's like I've always, and you, I know you relate mm-hmm. to this too, I think, mm-hmm. I've always been that person that wants to know. I have a need to know. I have a need to understand more about myself and the way the world works and the way Mm -hmm. people work. Part of that's from my theater arts, Mm -hmm. basically life in the theater arts. Yeah, being an actor, you want to know about people, you want to know about yourself. Part of it's control, uh, wanting to make sure I'm, I'm... equipped with all the tools to handle the unknown, whatever that may mean. Part of that's coming from a family where my mom was a therapist, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, and some of it's just like my nature, Mm -hmm. but I will say that my biggest, biggest growth moments have been on the heels of just like major wall hitting wall hitting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to talk, cause I know that there was a wall that you hit a little bit recently, recently. And, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the letter you told me about totally. earlier, <laughs> oh my God. Um, which I feel like is such a good example of, um, said self-inquiry mm-hmm. or by the way, even further than self-inquiry, you, you self-inquired and then you took some action in the real world, yeah. which almost uh, takes on like the characteristic of a ritual, like almost to put closure to, um, to the inquiry that you, that you selfed. (laughs) (laughs) To the inquiry that that I selfed. I love that. Um, So, uh, (laughs) so, but, um, but, but I just want to get back really quickly. Cause like, I kind of want, I think maybe what we'll do is we'll like use these couple of stories as a way um, to navigate your journey from what you were before mm-hmm. to being in your self-worth. Mm-hmm. Which so, like, by the way, I don't know, I'm in a, a more expanded yeah. self-worth. Well, yeah, this is work what I do. Well, of course <laughs> there's work to do. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and you yourself just said like that it's like, you know, there's sort of no end, mm-hmm. right? There's no end to no because we're challenged all the time. Like, Let's say we wake up one day and we're in our worth. And what does that feel like just for everyone to sort of have like a grounded sense of what that means? What does it feel like to be in our worth? Mm. I mean, it may feel, I don't know what it is for everyone else, but like, yeah, both of us yeah. like I, I'd be curious to know what yours is. I think if I like my, my gut instinct reaction is, you know, I wake up and I have just like a deep steady sense of security like no matter what I will encounter in this day I'll be fine and that knowingness really quells like there's there's an absence of anxiety mm-hmm. um there's mm-hmm. actually almost sort of a um, excited interest in what I may encounter in that mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. and it doesn't come with fear mm-hmm. that usually follows which mm-hmm. is what if this doesn't happen mm-hmm. or what if this does happen mm-hmm. um and then And then from there, because I'm already in that place, it's so easy to like really love on my husband or admire Mm. other people in the world or be really available for people. Mm. And I'm not taking shit personally Mm. as much like when somebody cuts me off on the road um, or whatever things trigger me, just Mm. like that trigger is 
mm-hmm. isn't there. Yeah, Or it's right. really muted, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, like you're not as reactive. Like there's like totally. a sense of flow, mm-hmm. right? Or like, um, yeah. or like, and yeah, I think what you just said, like lack of anxiety. Like it's almost like this feeling that like, that you're safe. Yeah. They're like, you're, are we're safe. Our world yeah. is okay. Without it being tied to... One particular outcome. Totally. Yeah. And the other thing it makes me do is when I wake up and on the best day of self-worth, right? Yeah. I know that I'm not going to go... I'm not going to say yes to something that's actually a no. I'm going to have really easy boundaries and not be afraid of people's reactions. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of myself, Mm -hmm. which is, that's for me on a very personal level, like just coming from like a very overly empathetic, like real caretakery background. Um, That would be something where I would sort of diminish myself in the presence of somebody else's like expectations or something. And so in an expanded self-worth place, that just doesn't happen. Right, right. Right, Which is right. awesome. Right, right. You feel like you can, well, because it's like if, if, if we are our own parents, like all of a sudden <laughs> your inner parent says to your inner child, I'm going to protect you. You are worth, worthwhile to me. I'm not going to put you in danger of being, oh my God, are you about to cry? I just love cry? it because you're a mom and I, I just know, see you no, loving on mom, your daughter this like, way. And I just like, I'm so moved by it, but like yes. so protective of our little babes that, yeah. you know, like don't feel good enough and want to hang out with that person who reflects that sense of low self-worth. Exactly. Um, okay. So if the shorthand of the end slash beginning of the rest of your life or whatever, <laughs> you know, or the, or that this moment is right red. Now, <laughs> but is the shorthand is being in your self-worth at the end ish of this journey. What, what is the shorthand for the beginning? Like, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, need, need or, um, fear mm-hmm. that I'm not going to get what I need. Mm-hmm. Fear that I'm not going to be valued. Mm-hmm. Um, fear that I'm undeserving of the things I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and fear that I'm going to disappoint or fall short. I mean, I could probably keep going, but those things like really ha- were pretty ingrained in me. Those like yeah. those were narratives that like just the, that I would default to for yeah. a lot. A lot it almost of feels like. Um, being like like deprived or scared yeah just the fear yeah yeah it's just a diminished version of of zibby okay diminished i really like diminished yeah diminished is the thing diminished feels also like scared and diminished maybe yeah okay because diminished comes with fear. Like when I hear that word, that has like fear charge. Ugh, so like I feel like diminished yeah. is the perfect word. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. I love what you just said. And I feel like that's like a really important – when you just said it has fear charge, can you just describe like um, like what that feels like when a word is charged, how you know yeah. a word is charged for you? Because like I'm really somatic. Is that the right word? Yeah, somatic. So you so, just held your like sternum a little yeah, bit like, when you said I that word. Yeah, like I feel everything here in like in my body. sacral, in your, like uh-huh. in my chest. So when I feel um, anger, mm-hmm. I feel it heating up. I feel charged. When I feel love, I feel like right in this area, this chest area, like it really expands and mm-hmm. I feel warm and oozy. Mm-hmm. When I feel afraid, um, it constricts mm-hmm. when I feel sad. I sort of choke on it. Mm-hmm. Um, my shoulders sort of dip mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. So, so when sometimes you hear a word like diminished, totally, or you hear a word like uh, like 
um, undeserving. Yeah, that was the word I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And it has charge for me. It, it has had you charge. You feel your body do things. Yeah, totally. And that's awesome because that's the indicator for me right. to go toward that. Yes. So that is. That's those, my way that, in. But also that's the, that those, what you just said, that is a, that is a, the, hugest symptom that you're a very conscious person and that you're into self-inquiry yeah because a lot of us do and by the way and by the way let's say you're a very conscious person some sometimes you might be super unconscious because it's hard you don't want to go toward the things that have charge i mean fuck we just want to like eat a bowl of fucking cereal and go to sleep and watch like Silicon Valley or whatever. 100% that's what <laughs> I want to do. Like, <laughs> like a thousand percent. Yes. Like we feel some charge or something scares us and what we want to do is just numb it. Yeah. We want to just numb or we want to go to sleep. Yeah. Or we want to like distract. We want to get drunk. Yeah. Or or we want to blame someone else. Yeah. We just want to say, well, fuck that feeling. That's not even like, I don't even need to deal with that feeling because like <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't have that feeling if that person weren't such <laughs> totally. a fucking asshole. So I'll just like cut that person out of my life. <laughs> You know I mean? <laughs> totally and like even even on the like a more subtle plane like you know these times when you're driving in the car and you'll have a thought and then followed by like 20 more thoughts mm-hmm. but all of a sudden 20 more thoughts down the line and you're like why do I have this weird ping yes. inside of me and you have to trace it back yes. to a thought that you had that comes with so much stress and so you have a choice in that moment okay well that was like stressful whatever we'll deal with it later back burn it mm-hmm. and move on you know 20 more thoughts ahead yeah. or you can go okay I know I have to deal with that and I literally will like bookmark those moments even if I don't have time say I'm on my way to a meeting and I can't actually like unpack that shit yeah Yeah. um I know now that it's really important for me to pay attention to what that do you write it down I have a little notes I have notes in my phone and you say like Mm -hmm. I need to look into why this particular thing stressed me out so much it's my notes is like pings and charges and so it's two columns and one is like pings are like thoughts and ideas that'll come to me um, that I want to follow up on. And it could be something stupid like, oh, ask Kat if she happens to have a, a recommend for like a face lotion, literally. And then yeah. all of a sudden I ask you and it's like the lotion that I needed that's like I can get in my, te- you know, whatever. And then something as small as that or something as like big yeah. as like ask, t- ask, tell this person that I'm working on this project and all of a sudden they're like, oh, it just so happens that we have an opening for whatever. And then the charge things are just like, it's usually a word. It's like diminished or undeserving or a name of somebody, right? Mm. Or um, a, right, a, a memory. Sometimes you hear someone's name and it, you have You're charge. like suddenly like yeah. anxious. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Wait, sorry, a lot of it's I names. Cut you off. A name, a name of somebody a or name, what was a memory, a memory, an event. This is brilliant. It's did helpful. You bring that, did you invent this? It's a, it's a combination of yes, my own invention. So I've like tailored this, but like, as you know, I've been, I've done so much seeking, like yeah, read yeah. books. I've followed different sort of teachers and courses. And currently I'm sort of geeking out on, you turn me um, on to Lacey, Lacey Phillips. Phillips she's, yeah. She has this great program you do on your own time and it's very personal. It's on your we'll own. We'll link to it. Yeah. yeah. It's called the pathway. And so th- her, she has a ping column and that's just for like, you know, um, following up on little ideas that And don't you find that the more that you uh, in the more that you give space and I'm saying like literal space, like the more that you actually write down those pings and Mm -hmm. those charges, the more they come to you. Yes. Because the more astute you become, the more, the more, the better you become at listening to them. Totally. It's like you're collaborating now with your subconscious. And so your subconscious is like, Oh good. You want a dialogue? Let's do this. Yes. 
And so again, oh God, you have so to be, my, you my have whole legs just like lit up. I just, your so legs. Yeah. My legs just like, like the fucking fire, like, like energy from the ground. Totally. Like just like, went out my yes, yes. It's like crazy. you dialogue with your subconscious, just like your babies, by the way, like, mm. you know, a baby, no, a baby knows that they're being listened to when you fucking listen to them. And then when you listen to them, the, they talk more. So like, if you want to know what your kid needs, pay attention to their needs and then they'll tell you their needs more I just have to say that in all of this like work that I'm doing on myself which is never ending but right now concentrated I'm spending a lot of time going back into old old memories as a child Mm. like we're talking zero to seven yep and I'm getting so many painful but revelatory sort of Mm. um I'm being able to draw like really revelatory connections Mm. between my sense of self now and those early times. And so I'm witnessing you as a mom. Now I'm going to cry and I've Mm. already told you this, but provide for your daughter in a way that is so conscious and so giving and you're setting her up to be in a place of self-worth from such an early age. And she's so lucky, dude, because that where that goes, I mean, because as adults, like I don't mind doing the work, Mm -hmm. but you're like, um, you and there's this an other woman who uh, doesn't even know that I feel this way about her, but I sometimes like to reimagine the kind of parenting mm-hmm. that I'm watching you. So you're like mirroring to me the kind of parenting that like little Zibby needed. Right. And it's just so beautiful. And that all, by the way, it comes from like the work that you so clearly have done. I've watched you. It's like, well, just so you know, rad. it's the real crazy shit. And this is like the reward of being a mom is that um, in parenting her, I reparent myself totally like I get to I get to it's like almost like acting as if which is like something where do we say that we say that in I don't know self-help but also that's like connected to being an actor yeah I feel like Like it's it's like almost like I I'm I'm having to circumvent my own um my own feelings of low self-worth or my own feelings of like um Mm. not being supported or neediness or whatever I'm having to like almost like act as if like I didn't have those feelings to provide support and care and solidness for my daughter and Mm. in so doing it's like I'm healing my own wounds that's so amazing that is amazing it really is it, it actually, it, it, it is. It can be. I mean, that, but this is why it's so important to be conscious. Yeah. Like, because the other version is, um, the other version is caring for her as though, like, caring for her in a way that's like some sort of decided opposite of how I was taken care mm-hmm. of. But that's just still taking care of me. Right. Like, to really load into what she needs. Mm like what she needs because she's not me she's right. like a different human right requires an, a, a a letting go of like my own shit wow. I have to just step around it I have to sidestep my own shit to really really see her and like see what she needs you know because like for instance like I might be tripping out on like oh she's gonna feel abandoned mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but abandonment might not be her shit at all yeah like she might not be yeah. like that might not like I, but I may I'm like reading into her cry in some moment right of like oh shit she just really needs me right but that might and if I say like oh she's afraid 
afraid of being abandoned. Then I take care of her as though she's afraid of being abandoned. And then one day she's going to be afraid of being abandoned. Oh my God. Whereas if I fucking see her and I say, oh, I think she's a fear of being abandoned. Wait a minute. Let me pause. Oh no. Actually, it looks like she's, she just wants to be held. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or actually it looks like she's frustrated. She right. wants to get out of this position she's in. Let me right. help her, like, just move around. Yes. Then all of a sudden, like, I'm reinforcing that she's a person who can express herself and be listened to. And you're not putting and your stuff on. that when she has a need, it's taken care of. Yeah. Like, huge. I get to, like, reset the karma of this whole fucking cycle. That's huge. To me, that is huge. <laughs> okay. It's huge. Uh, okay, that's a parenting thing. Uh, okay, wait, let's, let's go. But you okay. use the word reparenting, and this is what we are doing yeah. now as adults, right? Like that We're is reparenting so ourselves. Exactly. Well, we have that opportunity. Yes. And by the way, you use an op- the word opportunity, I think, aptly, because... It is an opportunity. You can choose it or not. And what's interesting is I had mentioned Lacey Phillips. You turned me on to her work. And I think what's so smart about what she's done is she's really tied it to what you get if you do this work. Right. And it's really hard to calculate what you get. She Mm. really uses that word manifestation, Mm -hmm. which has um, some like stigma f- for me personally but with I, the self-help move like yeah, yeah it can be um, a little tricky with the new age stuff but what is actually true is like there's no way of calculating what can stem from this mm-hmm. but if you just stop and imagine mm. being in the most expanded place you can be mm-hmm. um and then what that version of you has in their life mm-hmm. just start with that and mm-hmm. go toward it and see but i, I think you know I, I think she kind of incentivizes people to go mm-hmm. do this work because I think it's so easy to just be like, well, I'm going to opt out because I'm tired and I just want to eat a bowl of cereal. And well, I think <laughs> also what I think what's so important and this is like where some of like where like the manifestation thing or the, you know, like it can go really wrong yeah. when we're not dealing with feelings. Yeah. When 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 we hear just imagine what the most expanded of your self version of yourself, just imagine that expanded version of yourself and what that person has and then we like that's then what we try and go out and get or whatever yeah or we even try and imagine it and we're trying to like use our brain for that and we're ignoring the fact that what's happening subconsciously we're going we can't have that i don't deserve that exactly what's exactly and what you have to do is go oh the deserve thing that's where i'm going to go now exactly so you try and imagine the most expanded version of yourself then all (laughs) of that fear that comes up yeah (laughs) all of the the, yeah the The unworthiness or the or the judgment yeah or the whatever it is then you have to go there and then you have to deal with the unworthiness and the judgment and the junk like that's and so really we trade in feelings in this work not ideas the ideas are not I wouldn't go as far as to say they're meaningless although they are but like they're just a jumping off point yeah Yeah. it's like that's like the tip of the fucking iceberg yeah it's really well put um okay so 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 you start at diminish, you end up being in your worth. Let's just like as a shorthand. <laughs> so let's talk about, can we, should we talk about the wall hit? Sure. Um, let's talk about the wall hit and mm-hmm. then let's talk about how the wall hit led to this letter. Okay, perfect. That's great. As we can exercise. do that. Okay. And um, 
I will say that like the wall hit was like being set into motion unbeknownst to me, mm-hmm. only in hindsight, really right after I got married, which is almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I often refer to our wedding as like the wedding funeral because mm-hmm. it was the beginning of the death of a lot of things that weren't serving, mm-hmm. especially me, but both of us mm-hmm. in certain relationships and family dynamics and stuff. And so from our wedding onward, I had had like a series of like really heavy epiphanies around my family dynamics and setting up bigger boundaries that were really, really scary for me. And so I was already sort of, for lack of a better way of putting it, detoxifying my world. Mm. So it came, it comes as no surprise now looking back that this major wall hit, which without getting into the details of it, involved a very, very close friend um, and a project that I had worked harder on than anything I'd ever worked on creating. Mm -hmm. And, and that project ended up doing really, really well, all collapsing Mm. in my face in a very ugly, unkind, bullying, painful way. Mm. And, uh, it just took me to my knees and Mm. I felt all, I felt a lot of really, frankly, familiar feelings of Mm. being not enough, being, um, a pushover, um, being devalued. And these were, these were what I've come to realize things that I believed about myself Mm. (laughs) secretly. And I felt Mm. like I was just getting by and making it work. And maybe at some point these things were going to prove that wasn't true, Mm. but I hadn't actually gone to the junkie sewer. We we just break that down a little bit because I feel like most of us have experienced a version of this in our lives at some, like to break down, um, break down your realization. Cause you just said it fast, but it's so rich and you've done so much work so you can mm-hmm. say it fast. Right. But like for people who haven't like people who don't immediately know what that shit means. Like, yeah. What is that? Um, I'll get like really sort yeah, of so, like, so, so people basic. were, an- there was some angriness that was coming toward you. People were mean to you. Oh yeah. There was some real meanness that yeah. happened. Major meanness, major betrayal. Um, and there were forces looking to like really diminish me and steal the thing that I created. It's right. on, it's kind of like a classic Hollywood story. And actually, frankly, it happens everywhere. It's like people, yeah. you know, there was some gaslighting going on and like, it was fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, so people were like doing mean things and then saying that it was your fucking fault. Yeah. Or just choosing to get away with it because they were mistaking my kindness for weakness or they were actually accurately taking like... Yeah, it just advantage of my lack of self-worth. Right. And then, but instead of going like, <laughs> instead of going like, well, fuck them. They're the worst. Yeah. And I'm awesome. Yeah. And so I'm going to just like walk away with what I have and like figure out, I mean, they're, I'm going to have to figure out how to punish them in some way. <laughs> Did not whatever. happen to me. <laughs> no, you said. I said, what does this mean about um, like my blind spots. Right. And how did I call this in? Yeah. And, and that wasn't first without like a good two or three weeks of just, or like two weeks of just not being able to get out of bed and crying a lot and feeling frankly, really victim, like the victim. Yeah, I yeah. was really, and, and you could look at it and go, you were victimized, but I, it's not sustainable to live there for very long for me. And, yeah. um, and then and there's your no health lesson. took a hit. Oh, my health. Like, I mean, it was crazy what happened. My body betrayed me. Yeah. I was in the hospital like three different times for just like the weirdest symptoms of things. Um, I lost a ton of weight. I was just not present. All I could do was think about this. And I felt really, really helpless. Yeah. And those were all feelings 
that I have felt in my childhood mm. that were just reinforcing a belief about who I was. Mm-hmm. And so at some point I was like, well, fuck this. I, one, don't ever want this to happen again, but, um, And if this is what it takes, I'm not going to miss the lesson. If I don't get anything else out of this, if justice isn't restored and the bullies get away with bullying, I at least need to walk away with um, something new Mm. about me that I can take and, and then protect myself and love myself and stay big, Mm. stay great Mm -hmm. or know my greatness. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I also, but I, I want to point out too that like, I believe this and there's some version of some, I think uh, this is not an idea that is unfamiliar to any of us, what I'm about to say, but I believe that what happens in our lives is that like versions of what happened to you uh, at your wedding funeral and then beyond <laughs> that, this like the business thing, yeah, like these things happen over and over and over to over to us. Yeah. Um, I believe because we call them in because we're meant to learn something That's from right. them. I agree. So we, so in our lives, like, you know, you know, they, we call them patterns, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, Oh, we were, we felt that feeling of betrayal in third grade when that girl wasn't whatever yeah. mean to us or whatever. And then we felt it or we felt it at home then. And then we felt like these feelings, these dark, difficult feelings, these challenging feelings, um, are very familiar to us. We feel right. them over and over and over again in our lives. And we start to think that those are, um, that that's just how life is. And that's who we are. Right. But if we can say like, no, wait, why do I keep feeling this way? Right. Because everyone in the world has a different version of that feeling. Yeah. So like, there's nothing inherently true that that's the feeling that life is. We all have such different versions of these feelings. And so if we can say like, okay, why do, why is this version of this feeling my version? Mm-hmm. Why is it mine? Why is this the way that I've I am. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a different option. Yes. And um, I was hoping for a different option. Yeah. So that's what you chose. You were yeah. like, I'm going to put an end to this feeling. I'm going to put an end to this cycle, yeah. this pattern. Yeah. But but it took so much suffering it from this particular wall hit, which caused me right. and took me down in order to really get there. Because right. frankly, I had much smaller versions of those show right. up. Right. And what I came to realize without, again, going into too much detail is one, with regard to the betrayal and the relationship that was mixed up inside of this, I was having an exact mirror relationship with like a very, very painful and unhealthy Mm -hmm. dynamic, uh, frankly with my mother. Mm -hmm. So I was just, I went out into the world 12 years ago Mm -hmm. and found somebody that was exactly my mother in the form of a friendship Mm -hmm. who would reinforce that mother wound that then I would like take and then look to feel, get relief from, from that same person over and over again. Which is by the way, what we all do. This is what we do. When our unconsciousness, (laughs) when our blind spots go unchecked, we find our parents, we find our moms, we find our dads, we find our, sometimes we find our siblings, people who have traumatized us in the past, whatever, wherever the main wound comes from, we find that person or that circumstance and or that circumstance. Mm -hmm. And we just relive that wound until it gets so fucking bad that we're finally, hopefully like not doing this again. Totally. You get into therapy or you, that's like the high, either you get into therapy, you make some huge life change, like whatever it is, but you start 
to like take the responsibility for changing that mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And it, you know, once I got it, I got it like over yeah. and over. Like I, I started to like in hindsight, look back and just see all of it. And it was actually embarrassing for a few mm. <laughs> weeks for me to just be like, oh my God, it was so crystal clear. Mm. Um, and I was so grateful. I was so grateful for the termination of mm. those things and that I really got to just now go do, do my personal work yeah. around it. Um, and then, you know, like the, the business stuff and the creative aspect was like also, um, so much about being discounted mm. early on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and even though I was discounted, it doesn't actually as a as a wee one doesn't mean that my value was ever anything right. other than what it is. And right. so that discovery, what comes on the other side of well, you can call them, you know, whatever a rock bottom or mm. a a wall hitting. What's on the other side of that is like this. I don't know, rediscovery of what was always there. Yes. And it's a remembering. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. I would not trade it for the world because on the other side of anything that has caused great suffering, just like this latest wall hit is this like major, like catapult into a new Mm. way of experiencing myself and Mm. therefore the world and it's happening in real time like you know I'm slowly like ease you know still easing into it but like I'm just so lit up by what what I'm watching now being mirrored back to me as a result yeah you know yeah yeah and that led to so one of the things was this undeserving and diminished Mm -hmm. word which had so much charge for me Mm this memory had resurfaced, like many memories have been resurfaced. Okay. So now you're going to go into the letter story, which I hella fucking want to talk about. But before that, I just remembered this thing. Cause again, you said this, this thing about it being mirrored back to you, that the Mm -hmm. sense of self-worth is now being mirrored back to you everywhere. Yeah. I just, I remembered my therapist actually, uh, who's so brilliant, uh, had read some book that was also amazing. I think it was the presence process. There's a book called that. I'll link to it. Um, anyway, I just want to, there's, there's like this visual image that helped me more understand this thing about like why things get mirrored back to us versus like why things just happen in the world. Yeah. So like the, the idea is, this is what I imagined, which is like very, um, um, very, uh, useful. If you like go up to a mirror, just like a wall mirror (sighs) and you, um, you like yell at it, like you're like. I hate you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I hate you. I'm angry at you. Mm. Screw you. Mm-hmm. You're really watching somebody else in the mirror do that, do that to, to you. you. Yes. If you go to the mirror and say, I love you. I'm so happy to see you. Mm-hmm. That's what the mirror is doing back to you right. too. Right. And this is like a really clear metaphor for how we are in the world, yeah. in life. Yeah. When when what we are, if, if, if I go to the mirror and I say, <laughs> love me (laughs) right like i need you then it always feels like other people are just like to us yeah right and that's like a weird that's that's a really tricky example actually it's tricky but it's kind of like great because i feel like somebody needs to hear that whoever's going to be listening to this needs to hear that like yeah totally yeah because because then it like sets us if if we're Basically, to put it very simply, 
if we're weird and fucked up with the world, the world will be weird and fucked up back with us. Yeah. Yeah. And you can like, you can look, you can read your life like it's a newspaper telling you what's up with you. And as like a real concrete example of what was mirrored back to me almost, you know, instantaneously once I started to uncover that this was an issue about my self-worth, whether Mm -hmm. or not, you know, you know, this plays out sort of, is that someone in, um, some, the right person Mm -hmm. showed up Mm -hmm. in my world out of seeming nowhere Mm -hmm. and said, I've got this. I'm going to fight for you. Nobody gets to bully you and you don't, it's not going to cost you anything. Mm -hmm. And he, he's your dad. He legit is my dad. Not like my dad. dad He's the dad I always wanted. Yeah. Stepped in like almost as, as a paternal, as a good paternal figure in your life out of nowhere. And I've never even met him in person. So this was like, you know, through like a series of insane Mm -hmm. events that I won't go through, but like it was a moment in time where I'm like, it blows my mind that this is actually happening, that I'm worthy of this happening. And that this person goes, this won't happen to you. And I am the person who's going to make sure it can't. And that was one of the biggest moments of this is, this is why I do the work. Because if I had stayed a victim and small and saying they're winning, they're awesome, they're awful, they're, you know, and it's, or, and, or secretly in, in the subconscious Mm -hmm. closed door Mm -hmm. realm, I suck, I'm undeserving. I, I don't know that I would be able to stand my ground in this way. Also, this is the truest way of man. Like we talk about manifesting and it takes on this like Mm -hmm. weird new agey thing, which we haven't really explained so much, but I know I keep saying that, but maybe we'll talk about it on another podcast. But like, like the, what you did is you shifted your feelings in your body, your feelings changed. And then, and then you suddenly had a father. Oh yeah. Like I rearranged my molecules. But you didn't sit there <laughs> and you didn't go like, I'm going to make a list of exactly that I want this no, man I to show up in board. my life. I didn't, didn't vision board. I didn't vision board that board. shit. No, no, no. I didn't think positive. No, like your you thoughts went aren't inside, that powerful. you changed your feeling, you changed your level of self-worth yeah. and just suddenly out of the fucking blue, a father shows up. Yeah. And I made and a decision you. that no matter what was going to happen, I was going to get the lesson. I was going to give myself what I needed. And then somebody who was so equipped yes. their entire life is about this showed up like a dad yeah okay this is, and then we're gonna Brilliant. get a letter okay. this is um young i believe it was young we can check this um young said if we don't make the unconscious conscious it runs our lives yeah. and we call it fate that is it that's holy it. shit that's so it. i have in full body making chills. same in making the unconscious conscious we all of a sudden get to run our own lives i mean bye world that's it i just the enlightenment done we're (laughs) (laughs) but that's like that's brilliant that's exactly so but now Mm -hmm. this is a perfect this is a perfect transition now into the story because it's not just like we understand that concept and then move on no no that takes some fucking work yeah i mean jung used to lock himself into a room for like i don't six ten bazillion hours a day and like you know just fucking work on his inner demons and shit oh yeah yeah, like he used to like go he used to lock himself into room and like 
fucking embody like his deepest, darkest selves, you know, and then like work on it, write about it. Um, so, but, but honestly, I feel like that's, that that's me on a like smaller scale. I don't have six hours a day, but like I'm every day like excavating. Yes. So, and part Mm. of that excavation process, you're not just like sitting there closing your eyes and like thinking, no, no, you're like doing shit. So that's, so, so now talk about this memory and what happened. Yeah. So like in sort of like really uncovering just how deep like my sense of self-worth like was sort of leaving a lot to be desired let's just say that um and by the way like no one who meets me would think never that would ever. ever think that because you're so like bubbly and connective <laughs> yeah. and and the feedback and so, I always so get in the confident. world is like you're so confident you know, know everybody you're such a mover and shaker right. like oh my god you can do any like all that stuff right. and none of it felt true right so it's funny because like I keep talking about self-worth and I wonder if somebody not meeting me would go oh like I, they picture like a lowly little wormy you know what I mean no. like but because that's like but so because I I also feel like it's important to say because everyone I know and love who seems confident or not confident, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, is a big, powerful creative, the people Mm -hmm. that I connect with all have some version of this for themselves. So anyway, I had this just major influx of memories that I had just had no access to um, Mm -hmm. from a younger time. And something that had come up that I had some memory around, but really mostly just charge was a time in junior high. Uh, I was 14 and I had a teacher who um, I had yet a crush on, but also I just like felt that he was like human and real and available. Mm -hmm. And I did something in junior high that I have been enormously, I mean, we're talking 1994, like enormously embarrassed about for so long. I even paid my mother and this is like, it's a whole other subject that she like, I made them swear not to tell even my siblings because I didn't want anyone to know I had done this. I ultimately got caught and it was small. Like I can look back now as an adult and more or less and and, um, go, well, we can see where that comes from. But I sort of manipulated him into thinking I was a little more troubled than I actually was because I had a deep need for acknowledgement and nurturing. Okay, but can you talk a little bit more? Can you give us a little more detail on like, first of all, how this embarrassment came up to you? Like you'd just be like, what, like once... Once a year, once a month, every couple of years, you'd be in your car and be like, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, like, like probably several times a year at least, you know, okay. and it would be, it'd be like driving in the car or um, it, it would just be like a memory out of nowhere. I'd think mm-hmm. of it and like cringe and be like, ugh, oh, so embarrassing. And then like be like, but Zibby, you were a kid. And okay, know. so like at some point, so that's a, that's a charge, right? That, Major you, that would be on your charge list. Yeah. It was on my charge list and it was like, it came up on a bigger level when I'd sort of been doing a lot of this work, yeah. like trying to figure out, I found that charge through a, a different charge word, which is undeserving. I was like, whoa, that memory's connected to that. Oh, interesting. So, so you found this teacher. I, yeah. So wait, my, so what happened? Can you give us a little bit, like, what did you tell him? I, I didn't tell him. I basically, I let him think that I had a bad home life. Right. I orchestrated a scenario in which he would think that. And I, I, it's not like I'm trying to be vague on purpose. I'm actually just trying to be respectful of like the yeah. closure that I've recently just given yeah, myself. Yeah. And like, Good. it's, it's not really that big of a deal. It's yeah, like, I yeah. could say it and people are like, oh, really? But also I'm just not yeah, interested you don't in have myself. To. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, but I, but it was deliberate on my part and, and fair, fairly manipulative. Um, and I got caught because he was appropriately concerned for me, told the principal and then the principal called my parents And I only remembered that I had gotten caught, that I was called into the principal's office with my parents and this teacher. Um, 
And I, and that's it that I have had so much shame about it, but a lot of the details had escaped me. Nonetheless, I thought, well, if this memory is directly tied to this thing that I'm trying to work on mm-hmm. and I don't have a lot of the details, mm-hmm. I need to at least reach out and ask for forgiveness and say, sorry, which was so scary. This was not prompted by any like program. It wasn't like an immense yeah, You haven't thing. talked like, to this person in tw- 20, 30 years, 20, yeah, 20 years, it was, no, uh, whatever yeah, math yeah, is. 25 yeah. years. I can't, Ish. whatever. I, I don't know. It's a lot. A lot of We're years. We're actors, everyone. Fucking, not fucking math. Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been like, yeah, it's been a minute, you know, yeah. no contact whatsoever. I did some loose research online, found um, that he's still in education, found an email for him and took like three hours with like shaking hands to write him uh, an apology and take full accountability and just say like. So if you just I have to say, if you want (laughs) to eat ice cream and watch Silicon Valley, which, by the way, is a great show, like nothing wrong. It's a great show. But like you're not making yourself like you if you want like you could have also just like eaten some ice cream and gone to sleep yes but in instead fact, you were yeah. like i'm gonna sit at my computer for three hours yeah. with shaking hands yeah. and like write this person who i haven't s- spoken with in 25 whatever yeah. how many years yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes um totally and by the way like i wrote that email and then i did like i'm pretty sure i did actually eat ice cream and veg out to tv the rest of the day and didn't send it yeah i just needed to have it written and see how it felt in the morning yes okay but basically i mean the nuts and bolts of it was i've been holding on to like so much embarrassment and shame you may not even remember me Mm -hmm. uh this event may not even like be on your radar but um i just wanted to like I, I it was a, it was actually a great letter but it was like oh, I, I I named what I did I was like I'm I cringe even as I write this but this is what I did and um even though I was a child and it was so clearly it was a need for things I wasn't necessarily getting at that time um I didn't I, I've just been like so embarrassed and I didn't I didn't have the sophistication at the time to like understand the psychology that was driving it. And so mostly I'm just so ashamed that I knew better and I did it anyway. Mm. And, um, you're welcome to tell me how that was for you. Just now I'm a happy, healthy adult. Now I'm totally can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember much of what happened. I just recall that it was like your first year teaching and I can only imagine what that must have been like for you. Uh, mm-hmm. But you handled it so well and thank you. And thanks for letting me redress this with you. Mm-hmm. Well, I sent that. I was like, okay, fuck it. Like, fuck it. And how did it feel amazing when you sent it? No. Were you scared? Yeah. Yeah. And And it felt good. I felt like I was doing something for myself. Yeah. And he wrote back the next day. One of the most, I might cry, one of the most compassionate, generous emails Mm. I've ever received, ever. Mm. I'm going to cry. He was like, first of all, I can't thank you enough for this letter. I remember that event like it was yesterday. Wow. And I, I want you to know that I've never once hung on to it or held that moment against you. But yes, it was scary for me. I was a first year teacher straight out of, he was 24, which is crazy because at the time he seemed so much older, straight out of school. And uh, it certainly threw me off my pins. 
um, but we're human and we make mistakes. And what I'm most moved by is your willingness to like address it after all these years and being, you know, much older now, I had my own sort of crisis. And so I had to do a lot of my own work and I really understand to some degree how hard it can be to like do the work to heal. And so I just want to commend you because what this is such a display of that and it's very inspirational. Mm. And then he said, let me take you through some of the details because I remember them very well. And he filled in the picture for me and I needed those details because what I didn't remember are the ways in which I was failed in that moment by my parents, Mm -hmm. my mother, and, um, by all my superiors Mm -hmm. and he called it out Mm -hmm. and he recounted the the moment I was like called into the principal's office. Mm -hmm. In fact, they weren't going to call me into the principal's office. He said when he first had the meeting with just my parents and the principal, my dad had compassionately, like with compassion in his voice said, Zibby actually told me what she had done in the car on the way to school. And she said, this is where she's coming from. And so we'll handle it at home. Mm -hmm. And then I, my, my mother actually had the idea that they should pull me out of class and bring me in to speak for myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to like disparage my mom, you know, at the time she had her reasons and, um, and all that, but he just, he took, he described that moment of me walking in with my head low and not being able to look anyone in the eyes and being asked to speak on my own behalf and not being able to, and not being able to look at him in the eyes Mm. and him feeling in that moment, this is not what she needs. She Mm. doesn't need to be shamed and humiliated. And Mm. he said, I wish we knew in 1994, what we know now about shame, Mm. uh, because I watched how that sort of I watched what that did in that moment. It was mm. really painful. Mm. And then I remembered all of it. Mm. And I needed that because I could really, really start to let go of not only let go of all that, oh, so much extra blame that I absorbed, mm. you know, mm. Brene Brown always talks about the difference between shame and healthy guilt. Yeah. But then also it opened the door to understanding, like I had to spend the rest of the school year in his class with all of my superiors knowing what I had done. And I've had this feeling as an adult that I forgot I played out all of school, which is people are going to secretly think I'm terrible. Right. And by the way, the difference between shame and healthy guilt is that when you feel shame, you think you are a bad person. Right. Whereas healthy guilt is you recognize that maybe you did a bad thing. Yeah. And that impact had a negative effect. And yes, that's the, the difference. And so the shame I have been carrying started with that event, but like carried you were through, bad. You yeah. Were... Or it didn't even start with that event, but like it was really, really like exemplified in that moment yeah. that I was bad, that I'm secretly bad. And I mean, I can't even believe that that's a subconscious narrative I've had for so long. Again, no one would look at me and think yeah. that, but I've had this like quiet secret paranoia that people he, who may think I'm great or pulling it off in life are going to find out eventually that I'm actually bad. Right. And of course, that wasn't just that event that, that I got that lying. info. Or that I'm lying or manipulative or just yeah. like, you know, I'm a little con artist and, right. and whatever it is. Right. Um, 
So and that this is was what major. happens though when we don't unpack these things. And mm-hmm. like, let's say like that's one major thing in your life. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's all it takes. But most of us have more major things in our lives. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's like probably you know huge. I don't know. I mean, dozens, uh, so many mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge events like that that we barely even remember. Barely even remember. And then we just in ingest these feelings these ideas that we are bad or manipulated or, or any of it liars or 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 that we're not good enough or yeah. that uh you know we we, we don't not, deserve we don't deserve friends or love or adulation money yep. or whatever mm-hmm. it is like these little events and they they just are so deeply buried into mm-hmm. the fabric of our being that we take them for granted. Yeah. We don't even, we don't even, we can't even draw the line like yeah. between what's happening in the present to that feeling. Yeah. And by the way, like I am of the belief that I don't need to uncover every single memory because mm-hmm. what that did was unlock the thing that's been going on in my subconscious. Mm-hmm. And that's all it t- takes. I don't need to go like do deep yes. diving every single memory, no. do hypnosis, nothing. Yeah. That little event and mm-hmm. really like, you know, when we're talking about like proportionally, it's a small event mm-hmm. with, but that like w- held the key to mm-hmm. unlocking and releasing mm-hmm. something that has been a much bigger story for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I can, I can, I'm so grateful to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, thank you again. And I hope you can really put this to rest. I just mm-hmm. sent him a, a response th- this morning, just like mm-hmm. finalizing saying like how powerful his email mm-hmm. was and, um, and then I was like, I've always thought we should teach guilt and sh- uh, not guilt. We should teach um, grief, the basics about grief and shame, impacts of shame, like in education, yeah. just like they give sex ed. Because like these are things that have everything to do with how we operate as adults. And yeah. if we can get some sort of like language around it in our formative years, I think it would be everything. Yeah. Why don't we have like fucking feelings class? Do you know <laughs> what like, I mean? Like yeah. sex ad. Let's, let's do feelings ad. Yeah. Feelings ad, dude. But like, but make it like really concrete for like people who are like, man, you can't teach my kids feelings. Grief. Yeah. Every kid encounters grief, whether it's loss of a pet, a friend moving away, a grandparent dying, a parent leaving on a job for two months, yeah. whatever, or something worse, God forbid. Yeah. Um, and then also the difference, knowing the difference between guilt and shame as a child and also as teachers. Yeah would be major, I oh think. Oh my God. Yeah. By the way, exactly. Like if you even just gave the teachers a class. Yeah. If all of our teachers took a class in in feelings and just like feelings, period. Like half of us don't, and I mean, I know this because I used to be like this. Like I didn't even used to want to acknowledge that I had them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't even want a feeling. Feelings mm. were pain. Feelings are fucking pains in the asses. Yeah. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. They're uncomfortable. Um, and so to really like give language for how to talk about a feeling, yeah. what the feeling is. Oh, that, that's weird kind of burning in my stomach. Oh, that's a feeling called worry. Yeah. And then all of a sudden to be able to name it mm-hmm. means it has less jurisdiction over you. Exactly. And that is the point. It's like, I'm now at a point now where, as a grown up where one of my favorite mottos is feel more, care less. I, f- I, I can feel all kinds of things on the entire spectrum of feels yes. in one single day, yeah. but I care less about them because I recognize them as feelings that some of them have information and some of them are just things because I feel energy and some of them, yeah, you know, some, sometimes like, you're, you're holding on to a feeling that belongs to someone else. Totally. 
<laughs> you walk, you go to lunch with someone who's deeply, deeply depressed. You yeah. will probably feel a little bit more depressed when you leave, which yeah. is not to condemn depressed people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at all. We yeah. all just, we do. But if you walk in, if you hang out with someone who's just like in the full state of joy and their life mm-hmm. is going great, you're going to leave that lunch feeling like fucking awesome. Yeah. But they're just feeling. They're that's just the feeling. And that's how you know. It's just a feeling. It doesn't actually mean anything to your life. It's yeah. just a, your body just shifted like the fucking ocean does with the moon i mean that's that's like that's the thing about having a body (laughs) body is sensation yeah if we can't have feeling without actual physical body so like navigating this physical plane yeah is has to be made easier when you can understand what feelings are and what they aren't exactly but you know i mean i think that's a tall order to introduce into the public school system but (laughs) well i don't know i mean i you know who knows like i mean i mean that we can make a lot of progress pretty fast true let's do it dude okay let's let's take it on cut to us Um, just like yeah leaving okay so like so anyway and now so I guess the end of this journey, but we already sort of <laughs> talked about this, is now you're sort of feeling like you're in your self-worth. And this is like, I, I just felt like the, these the stories were important because like this letter thing is just such an amazing thing that you did. And, you know, I just, uh, we don't do that stuff because it's uncomfortable. And yeah. you like dug through that discomfort because you knew that it was important to learn from it. Yeah, and I'm taking full advantage of like, having hit a wall right now mm-hmm. that like I'm I'm almost out of that chapter and in a way I'm going to be like man because I want to get the most out of it because I'm mm-hmm. here I've already mm-hmm. been so uncomfortable for so long now right. that I'm just like what else can I discover about right. me right. Um, and you know I had and, and since our wedding funeral <laughs> which mm-hmm. by the way was like the most beautiful wedding ever it was, yeah. there was nothing somber about it it was like yeah. the most incredible moment in time but um, and then setting up boundaries and letting go of stuff and like doing the scary stuff yeah so many jobs came in. Yes. So many new work opportunities are like yes. showing up on the heels of this. Like, you know, whether it's now, the hero do you, have you decided or, why that is? And I'm also like, just more. Oh, good. Okay. Are we okay for time? This okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, um, have I decided? You like? Have you? Can you articulate uh, in a you know easy way or not easy or whatever? But can you articulate like what the connection is there? Well. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the mirroring thing. But like, again, I'm using a lot of languaging right now just because I'm like reading a lot from her, Lacey Phillips. Mm -hmm, But like mm -hmm. she uses that term magnetism. Mm -hmm. And I think that like it's all about getting back to the most authentic space ever for Mm -hmm. you. And so my authenticity shows up when I'm out of my own way and I'm like consciously looking at stuff. And so I think we all respond to authenticity. I do. Mm-hmm. I respond to authenticity mm-hmm. in people, um, in stories, and mm-hmm. song, and song, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think the more authentic, the more magnetic people are. Mm-hmm. And so, I just without being, a, I, I don't know if I can go further into like I don't know why someone wants to hire me or someone wants to stand up for me or why someone wants to love on me. My own, my best guess is is because I'm authentically in my worth mm-hmm. and kind of just frankly like loving on myself at the moment Mm -hmm. and um I think it has a great effect Mm -hmm. and it it does like you know being around you for example you are really expansive in that way it's like we'll always have a conversation we can talk about like shoes and makeup and clothes or like whatever the fuck but Mm -hmm. then inevitably we're always going to get to like the center of a Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and that I'm drawn to that. Like I'm, I'm magnetized. Oh my god! By I just your... realized something. What? What? I think we're each other's gales. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> we're 
over <laughs> each other's scales. All right. Who's going to hit us up? for? <laughs> totally. We should do our own show called The Gales. Actually, that's a really great title. The Gales is The really Gales is title. great. That's really funny. All right, food for thought. Okay. <laughs> um, have we said everything that we want to say? I don't know. I have don't we know. talked Eventually a lot? Eventually, we're gonna have to do a part two. Great. Uh, you know, like, we'll do a part two. We'll whatever. We'll keep the we'll keep the Gales conversation alive. Um, but I love what you're doing, and I'm really honored to be a, on oh your like on God, your pod. I love you so much. I'm so so glad you're here. <laughs> it's just the most special thing. So special. Um, all right. I mean, that's the thing. We could actually fully talk for another hour, but we're not going to. No. We're going to end here and then we'll we'll do this again. Okay, perfect. Hi. Okay. Hi. I'm recording. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> Dude. Wait, when was the first recording that we did? It was um Wait, I would have to look, but it was almost two years ago. It was Feb, I believe it was February of 2019. Okay, I thought so. Maybe even January. I yeah. Can't, I'd have to look. Okay, wow, that long though? I was just trying to figure out if it was 2019 or, two, or 2020 and time, you know, doesn't like land the same way anymore. Holy shit. Oh my God. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, yeah, it's almost two years later and like life has changed so drastically drastically i mean like covid anyway. aside life has changed so drastically yeah yeah are you saying for me specifically or just yeah, for humanity uh, definitely for me specifically <laughs> <laughs> like since our first recording so much has happened right. um yeah like do you want to do you want to talk about any of it or do you feel like cuz it's actually not I mean, like, I'm curious about, like, your heart, your state of being right now. Yeah. I mean, it was such a, an amazing podcast episode. We talked about the letter that you wrote. Um, oh, yeah. My teacher. To your teacher. Oh, my gosh. I feel like so much of that conversation, I didn't, um, I haven't heard it yet. But they were like, I, you gave me some reminders. Yeah was said and I feel like a lot of that conversation involved me talking about the personal work I was doing to sort of shed some old residual narratives or some skin that just was not gonna you know do well in the the future version of me like yeah and so I just recall being so deep in it, which I still am, funny enough, but it's complete, the landscape has changed, you know? <laughs> well, to me, what's interesting is like, I feel like in some ways, or I don't know, it, from the outside, it feels like you're, although <clears throat> this is always the case, right, to some degree, but I feel like so so many amazing things have happened recently, certainly in your career, but just your life in general, you moved, you have an amazing new house and um, like, just like things are really pretty right now. Like offers for work stuff is so crazy coming out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But I feel like in a way it's like you're reaping the, the rewards of of that really deep digging. And we talked about wall hitting. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And just like a lot of, you know, you really walked yourself through a lot of struggle stuff. There was was struggle there or not even struggle is the wrong word. Like there was pain. There was pain that you did a lot of processing. Yeah. There was a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, But, you know, not to be cliche, but it couldn't be more true in my experience and certainly in reference to the wall, the I sort of had had hit at that point that we recorded that um, all of that pain, I think, you know, if I allow it has incredible transformation, um, like power. And I'm, I, so I'm living that transformation at the moment. Right. Like, it's like, you're like, it's like you're, you're reaping. It's like the harvest. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's great. Like I'm in my dream job right now, and and now the dream has changed. You know, which is cool too. But this is like a dream job that I feel like I waited around for a long time to get. Like if you go back and look at, you know, one of hundreds of my journals, even just from the time I got to Los Angeles, all bright-eyed and ingenue, bushy-tailed, thinking like because I had starred in like every community theater play (laughs) shoe in, you know, (laughs) but you could see, you know, I, I funny enough, because we did just move to this house. I think I told you this before I had shipped all of my boxes up from LA and it was actually overwhelming because most of those boxes were just full of journals and journals and journals and journals and writing and writing and writing and journals of, of, you know, a lot of different versions of me, but so many of those versions were so angsty around the work, acting, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and and being an artist and forging a path for myself and and finding success and having money and abundance and being acknowledged for, you know, the things that I love to do that I have worked hard to be good at. And I found a, a journal entry, all that's to say, I found a journal entry that had a list and I'm sure there were several of these but I just came across this one list that mm-hmm. maybe to a T described the dream job mm. myself which is the job that I then got recently and that was like when I was in my 20s because I can really- wait first of all can you just can we tell what the job is you're on Virgin River you're a new yeah. series regular on season three um which is it's a fucking cool Netflix show yeah, it's a cool Netflix original. It's very feel good. You know, it is a, people have likened it to Northern Exposure meets Gilmore Girls, which yeah. Northern Exposure is kind of like a dated reference, but a real like solid That's one. Our, our eight, dude, we're dated maybe. Yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm just saying like shout out to. Shout out to Northern Exposure, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, and so when I say dream job, I there's so much more work I want to do. I didn't want to say like, oh, this is, but it. No, but I, that's what was my next question is like, can you tell, can you enumerate some of the words on that list? Like that's yes. my question. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's like kind of vulnerable, but forget it. Like, I'll, of course I'll care. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted, I, I, I wish, you know, I wish I had just thought that we were going to have this conversation just like pull it up and read it to you verbatim. Yeah. But um I got really specific in terms of how I wanted it to feel. So I wanted to show, um, I wanted to be series regular, guaranteed every episode, 
on a show that was full of heart and feeling and some humor, I wanted to play a role that I felt like I could really riff as mm. so that it didn't, it was challenging and I could work at the edge of my growth, but I could really like be her, find her and flow as her, find a character and, um, you know, really create an, like a, a long form arc with her. Mm. And a lot of the other specifics were like, um, on, there's an ensemble feel. I'm well received. I like the people that I'm working with. Um, it's not overtaxing, um, but you know, in terms of hours, visible enough that it sort of shifts my career into another gear. And so, all of those things are legitimately what happened. I mean, I'm probably articulating it better than what was on that list when you know, 22-year-old sure. Zibby was writing it down. But actually, it's pretty impressive. Well, also what's interesting to me or like kind of amazing is that you you got this job very effortlessly. Truly, which was also on the list, dude. Oh, yeah. 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 Like it kind of comes to you. Yeah. Effortlessly. Yeah. And I mean, and therefore it felt pretty out of the blue. I mean, even the audition itself was like five, you know, five scenes. And because that's a lot. Of, yeah, it was a lot, but. I felt like I could do them in my sleep, you know, in terms of, oh, this, the words just came to me. I really yeah. felt into it. I felt it in my guts. I felt her burning in my heart. And so I just, it was like one take each basically. Wow. And I was like, I'm very pleased with this. And I sent it off and it's COVID time. So it was a self tape and I didn't meet anybody else. I didn't get a producer session. I didn't speak to a director. I got a straight to offer zero competition you're the one they're so excited about you and mm. you for X amount of, you, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And so how do you like, I mean, um, first of all, I just want to point out too that on your list wasn't like, and I want this in three months. Definitely not. <laughs> you didn't put a time, a time on it. Right. Like, no, definitely not. Yeah. Because um, yeah. Can you talk about why for a half a second? Yeah, for sure. Because there are a couple of things that I've learned now that maybe I, I was, I'm better at articulating why now than I was then. Part of the reason why I, I would have stayed away from a time limit is because, or, you know, uh, is because that's such a setup for disappointment. And if it doesn't happen, that sort of circles back and can cause a lot of self-doubt and, um, you know, like, I'm not, but now I can say a couple of things about that. One is anytime I place excessive importance on an outcome, mm -hmm. and usually when there's a time assigned to an outcome, that means there's the stakes are high, like if it doesn't happen in this amount of time, then so mm -hmm. any of those equations, sort of um, throw everything off balance. And I my experience has been when I give something excessive importance, it's sort of like nature self-balancing ways will mm. always come in and mess with that. Like nature um, goes like, psych, it's not that important. Well, yeah. I'm like, it, And it's because anything that's excessively important, I'm consciously or unconsciously making bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things flow naturally when they are right-sized and not larger than me, overinflated, and I don't have a diminished sense of myself. 
Um, mm-hmm. And when I'm operating from a diminished sense uh, of myself, which has happened and probably will continue to happen is a trap that I could always fall into just like by nature of being on the planet and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the way we're, we're sort of set up systematically as a culture. But um, then I'm now having a relationship with everything and everyone I see um, as a smaller version of me. And so everything I do is through that filter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm assigning um it's it's like a lie. It's like giving somebody, even giving someone else too much importance is actually claiming them as something that they're not and claiming me as something that I'm not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a shit ton of sense. I mean, to me, like, I mean, just to use totally different language, but I think, I think to essentially like um, get, you know, restate the gist of what you're saying, like, um, man, I have such a good example of this. Um, actually I'm going to cut myself off, which is annoying because what I was about to say was going to be helpful, but I just want (laughs) to, I want to illustrate this with an example. So I was, I feed Lofi, our dog, Lofi. I feed Lofi um, every morning at like Lofi is, she's very old now. She's like 14 and she's like deaf, um, totally deaf and probably a little blind. Um, definitely a little blind, certainly at night. And, um, all she cares about is food. That's her entire life. That's all she cares about. She eats twice a day. We feed her morning and night (laughs) for like a full like hour before we feed her. She's super amped up. So like I come down at, you know, let's say, like Lofi's up at like 5.30. She goes down the stairs. We have these motion sensing lights so that she can see the stairs so she doesn't hurt herself. The light oh comes gosh, She though. goes down the stairs. I know. And then, um, so I come down, whatever. The point is I'm feeding her. This is two mornings ago. And I'm like scraping the food out of the can and she's so excited to eat that she's like knocking over her water bowl, which is like making a mess, which makes me like, I can't really. And then, and then I'm like basically tripping over her and like, yes. So what I'm illustrating is that like Lofi wanted the food so bad that actually she was getting in the way of her having it. Whereas if she had if she could have simply trusted that the food would arrive yeah allowed it to get there it it probably would have arrived to her much more um you know expeditiously and easily um and just in general like I would have it would have been a much more pleasant experience for me as the food giver completely um no this is like a perfect example sorry to cut you off but also by the way like Lofi has an advantage of um a history of pattern like she can pretty Mm -hmm. much rely on the fact that she's going to get food which is still she gets so obsessed that she actually panics Mm -hmm. and freaks out over it so she even has the extra advantage of knowing that it comes whereas sometimes when you have no evidence that something's yeah. coming down the pipeline for you, really still your best to sit back in trust and anchor yourself in that place because it allows things to come with you quicker. But I've also been the lofi where I know it's going to come 
just based on history, based on right. pattern, based on, you know, and I still freak out. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like really natural for us to do that. But what was so striking to me about the Lofi thing, because it was just like a physical example of the metaphysical conversation that we're sort of having, which is that like, when, when we have that, this efforting, it really is really um, energetically becomes resistance. Like, and, and, and like this, and it's not just the wanting, right? It's like the effort, it's the efforting. It's the like trying to go out and do the thing and get the thing and what, and it's a fine line because of course, like we want to express, we want to express ourselves. We want to create, we want to like open opportunities for ourselves but it gets really um, like essentially the more we try, yeah, the more we push it away. Whereas yeah. if we can really allow, yeah, then um, then it comes, you know. Dude, yes, a hundred percent. A couple of things about that is what I've come to learn is exactly what you um, are describing, which is the more I want something, I'm reaching for it the harder I reach, the further away from it I feel. And now I'm in a relationship with the reaching instead of the the allowing or the having. And so I'm simultaneously broadcasting to myself that I'm far away from it. And it's like this loop. That's right. Yeah. The reaching itself becomes the, like the the main attention grabber, you know? Totally. And I, you know, bringing it to an acting example, and I'm sure that you've had these, moments um in any number of the roles you've played where you know on page 23 it says and here she cries mm-hmm. um, or she falls apart or yeah. she comes undone or yeah it's the angry. same muscle really right and the you know as the actor if i am aligned with wanting to get it right and wanting to cry on page 23 and wanting to impress everybody it's like the pipes just like yeah seal up but so it's the difference between like even if a director says okay now in this moment i want you to cry i have to reinterpret it for myself and say allow myself to feel sad here and then all of a sudden like all that reopens and it's a very similar dynamic when it comes to the engagement with life or anything that we yeah. in terms of yes um that's exactly right yeah and like having an orgasm you know what oh, I mean? totally yeah Same right thing. like we just need to like uh it, it but it's it's interesting because sometimes the allowing requires some <laughs> generation like the allowing because this isn't what we're taught the allowing can be very counterintuitive and like re- you know it requires it's its own muscle ironically, paradoxically, allowing is actually a muscle, like it it requires practice. And um, so, you know, I guess in that, certainly it requires some intentionality at minimum, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. some intentionality to allow. Um, And from there, hopefully like your muscle can grow. And I think that's where life offers up invitations to get to the allowing. So if my intention is to have this or be this or embody this, often there's some programming that's gonna be in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And through my sheer desire to evolve to meet this thing that I want or experience that I want or quality of being that I wanna embody, I feel like that always attracts 
a situation which will then mirror back to me an opportunity to undo reprogram aspects of self in order mm-hmm. to create an allowing it's sort of like yeah you know and I think that's again going back to our combo two years ago, I was so in that space, but what's also crazy is it never ends. So I think there's also such beauty in wanting, but it is really like the art of wanting, dude, because- Exactly. But also yeah. like one of the things that you were doing so beautifully two years ago is that you were allowing your feelings. Mm. Like you were allowing that pain. You weren't trying to push it away. You weren't trying to cover it up. You weren't trying to hide from it. Like you were in a lot of Mm-hmm. you talked about stuff with your family and you know the wedding slash funeral and oh, yeah. you know yeah. processing your shame with the teacher and then the wall hitting with your partner and like you know that's really um really significant it's a really str- really strong feeling when you can sit with your pain Mm-hmm. Like kind of there's like almost nothing stronger when we can sit with our fear, when we can sit with our grief, when we can sit with our shame, when we can just sit with it and not, I don't mean be inactive. Maybe you talk to your people about it or your partners or your, your friends or whatever, but like really like I, I was feeling very, very sad this morning. No, two days ago, yesterday. Very, very, very sad. Just so sad. And um, (laughs) I know because my agent left my agency. I told you that, right? Yeah. Tell you, Scotty. And I I was working with him for 15 years. And um, I just like the holidays bring, bring, like, I always thought about him in the holidays because like I always got him gifts and I was thinking about him because of that. And he sent me Christmas cards of his family. And so I always like was like looking at his face on my mantle. And then we always do like a year end wrap up and 15 years like he and he saw me through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows of my career, you know, like all of this narrative around him. Um, but he really was an incredible, I mean, very significant, very um, impactful, like force in my life and so I really really missed him yesterday like really really and I could start crying about it right now um and I texted him and I cried to Jim and I then I called my manager who thankfully Chris Uvane was so lovely and got on the um phone with me and then we talked and Um, and like, and, and I still felt sad by the way, I still felt sad. And I, but I just like, I I just sat, sat in that. And then, you know, as it happens, like you move through the feeling and then I really, I don't know, it, it really opened something up for me and to, you know, a whole new idea for a project came to me last night. And this morning I had a new idea and that also kind of like made me sad, but interestingly, like the sadness becomes like a, it's own, like a, it be, it's like gasoline so, or, or it's like, um, it's like a, it's like quiet gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a silent, well it's true no but it's truth I think is what it is like when you when you can be in your truth even if the truth is hurt hurting yeah there's something really strong about it there's something really strong in uh, yeah it's potent vulnerability it's super strong yeah Mm, I totally agree it's I, I 
and what you're describing it's so beautiful because you and I have talked about this uh, like ad nauseum as over the years in our friendship but um somewhere along the way we were taught that sad is bad and angry is bad. Ah. like there's like the negative feelings that you want to avoid but at the end of the day like if I had no opinion about the feelings and I understood them all to have the same weight whether it was elation or devastation the same weight they're rich with information not overpacked. they're not everything they don't point to facts but they're informative for like the the very interpersonal intimate journey of self yeah um yeah you know? and in that sense like what a gift to feel like when you get an inkling of sadness like if you can allow yourself into that feeling mm-hmm. in a full way mm-hmm. like if you can just drop everything i mean as much as you can like let it be let it let it full fill you that feeling yeah. like I feel like there's so much to be gained from that I agree yes yeah and you know what's the funny I will admit though that even still there's this little part of me that dreads like yeah sadness again although sadness I'm not as like scared of fear and, and disappointment <laughs> is really hard for me disappointment's so hard for me disappointment and also I found myself feeling shame the other day. Why was that? And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, this shame. Um, I wish I could remember the specifics. But what'd you do with it when you realized it was shame? Well, n- realizing it was shame made me feel a lot like already kind of opened a path to feeling better. Of course. Maybe it was um, something that I texted or like I like I had written an email that then I got felt sh- ashamed of or something or something like that. I can't remember the specific example, but it was like um, I, there was like a few days, a couple of weeks ago where I, suddenly I was like every email or text I sent, I was like, why did I send that? <laughs> like, oh, God, you know, just like some. um but yeah, I think naming it made it feel better. I don't remember exactly why, but yeah, shame is a hard shame is a hard one. By the way, I th- I'm sure that it made me feel better listening to your po- re-listening to your podcast. Oh my god, really? Yeah, for sure. And hearing about the teacher and processing oh. your shame and that was so epic. That was so epic. I'm so it- like proud of Zibby for doing that. Me too. <laughs> And I'm um, proud of the teacher for responding the way that he did. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, time. like there's there's um, the fear of what people think of me. Um, that is so deeply ingrained, you mm-hmm. know. From I can I can give a million reasons why. Some are obvious. Some are more specific to the context of how I grew up, but. Um, that's one thing that you and I were texting, I was texting you yesterday or no, I, yeah, it was was like winter solstice, great Mm -hmm. conjunction. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Should I read that text that you fucking Oh yeah. Just read it because (gasps) yeah, that's cool. I mean, hopefully, hopefully the grammar's okay. I I'll say that like my husband and I were, were together that day. It was like one day I wasn't working and, um, we both came up with a couple of things that we wanted to release, mm. you know, with 
the winter solstice and moving into this new reality paradigm that the great conjunction has sort of like propelled us all into. Yeah, we just had that great conjunction, Saturn meeting Jupiter for the first time in 12,000, you said 12,000 years. Is that right? It was, I think, um, I was off about that. I think it's, it was Someone said like 400. I think the facts are wrong. Some are are a couple of facts floating around about it. Point is, it's been a hell of a long time. Uh, It's not going to happen again for a long time. And this marks, you know, a a new um, 20 year or 200 year cycle. I have all the math numbers wrong, but it's pretty, it's a pretty potent time. And like everyone and their mother was all over the medias talking about it. Um, and it was really hard to ignore. Anyway, do you want to read so you, that? Wait, wait, you guys came up with stuff you wanted to, do you want to, to yeah, tell the stuff? stuff? We came up with some stuff, but like, and they're similar to what I texted you. Okay, you well, I'll let me that. read it. Well, no, actually, I want, I kind of want to like maybe end on that text that you wrote me because it's fucking, okay. it's epic. But so to you tell me. Um, Let's see where it is. I'm just playing up on my notes. I have like a gajillion notes. Mm. When you and Adam come up with new things, like when you guys manifest together, do you like type it into your phone? Do you like write it down in a journal? No, I mean, you know, he and I have really different ways. Like, um, he's so much more understated. Like I like to create ritual around stuff sometimes or geek out or like make sure it's good. I'm a real like student and he is just more, um, talk about trust muscle that he like came into the world with just like the strongest trust muscle. He's just so easy and even keeled about stuff. So we can have conversations and like he gets a twinkle in his eye and it's like, ding, it appears like he's, he's his own. So when we talk, like it was pretty organic the other day. Jim is like that too. Yeah. Jim's amazing. Um, we have some cool dudes. Oh, here it is. Okay. Oh, but this is long. Okay. Well, this is about what people think. Here's one thing. Oh my God. Am I going to read this? Well, I mean, only, you know, you, you can, you can stop and start if there's no pressure. I mean, I want you to feel, you know, do you want to scan it? I'm scanning it now. Yeah, just read. Don't don't read all. You don't have to read all of it. Well, I would say it's like this. You know, I really wanted to let go. You know, on, on a bigger level of the fear and the concern, um, about uh, of you know what the outer script of of our culture might be dictating. I just remembered. I also want to talk about reality surfing. Oh, reality transurfing. So great. Yeah, totally. I mean, finish. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's the collective field and this is me really, this is me wanting to give more endorse myself with more authority than the, um, then I have, I can sort of by default give to the outer scene. Yeah. You know? How beautiful if you could like. Uh, it's like decolonizing basically, just so that I can hear myself and give myself first jurisdiction over more. And that sounds really obvious, but it plays out in very subtle ways. And I've noticed like, I have this acute awareness sometimes of like, what somebody is thinking or maybe thinking about me or about um, what's happening. And 
it's, it can be intense and to just allow for that and not to sort of jump on that energetic mm. train and go for that ride or think about it or worry about it, or try and navigate it at all. Um, is something I, you know, maybe people think I do well, maybe some people think I do that pretty well, but it's, I know there's so much more room. So I, I mean, I think you things. do it well because you've worked your ass off specifically on that. Um, but of course there's more room because you're a human being like oh, and sensitive, like, yeah, you know, I, it, I, I can practically feel what it feels like to be somebody else if I'm close enough to them, oh. which is a blessing and a burden. Um, and so I won't, I won't read this whole thing. Cause it's like, it does feel a little too personal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have to say, it felt really beautiful to put into writing and to say it out loud to my husband and to just make a little bit of a pact with myself. Yeah. And by the way, like, I'm glad that you're not sharing it too, because I feel like sometimes putting, like, it's already like to put like the, that, that kind of feeling into words is already like mm-hmm. one step removed from the truth of the feeling you know and so like I think like um it's nice to not like bastardize the feeling and the intention yeah by like giving those words more weight than they have yeah thanks D you totally that's well put yeah but but Mm -hmm. your fucking text dude (laughs) these words are fucking so I had these two dream I had two dreams two dreams, the night of the great conjunction, Mm -hmm. wherein these um, sort of powerful narcissists that you and I have both had um, encounter, a lot of encounter with, Mm -hmm. um, died. No, one of them, one of the narcissists in our lives died. um, And then the other one was sort of like seen to have like the became like the emperor with no clothes like yeah it was like called out by colleagues was called out by colleagues for being the asshole that he really is but in in my past whenever I've dreamt of this human like I have always like aggrandized this person and like worship you know like thought he was so the best and whatever so um I shared so, these dreams with you. Yeah, you told yeah, you told me about the dreams. I told you about the dreams. And then she wrote, and then you write. I'm just I'm gonna read write the you something about killing off. You 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 clocked that there's a theme about killing off or unsubscribing to the scale of human value slash worth that we agree to consciously or subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And then you write this blessing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is it. Let this water season wash away with it all residual claims of human worth, importance, power, as being on a scale that we've been living in. May this water, may this winter wipe clean all the ways in which I've placed myself on this false scale. May the flaws and imperfections of others plus self that I once used to determine my place on that false scale be seen in a different light. May I claim back any power I've assigned to anyone else. May those I put on the false scale falsely, fuck, I fucked it up. May those I put on the scale falsely above me 
be right-sized in my understanding and awareness so I can now naturally rise back up to the truest worthy self, to my truest worthy self without the tag of comparison to confirm or deny my right to be brilliant, perfect, and complete right now. I'm so wordy in that text, but... Dude, it's so good. I wish I hadn't fucked it up. I'm going to write it in the show notes because... Oh my God. Maybe That's someone awesome. write it on a scroll and put it in there. I actually, I like, I'm going to print it out and put it on my wall. It reminds me of a um, Hafiz poem called, uh, oh shit, what is it called? It's really short. It's like one of my favorite poems in the entire world. Uh, this one is mine. Do you know it? No, but I have my Hafiz book, right? So here. do I. Wait a minute. So do I. It's in the gift. Dude, I have it here. Yes. All right. Because my bookshelf is right here. Oh, oh, I have it here. I have it here. Oh, my God. Right okay, here. great. Wait. Yes. Oh, okay. my God. So, dude, turn to page 50. I can't believe that we both have our happy yes. books. Like, okay. Do you want to read it? No, you want you to read it. Okay. This kills me. This kills me. Okay. Okay. It's called This One Is Mine. Someone put you on a slave block and the unreal bought you. Now I keep coming to your owner saying, this one is mine. You often overhear us talking and this can make your heart leap with excitement. Don't worry, I will not let sadness possess you. I will gladly borrow all the gold I need to get you back. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Someone put you on a slave block and the unreal bought you. Uh, and that is what I'm trying to shed is all notions that are false, the unreal narratives about who we are on the scale of worth mm -hmm. and then operating as if that scale is real. Mm -hmm. And like that, that poem, dude. Dude, that poem. Wait, can I... I'm going to read you one that I, and we should probably, we should end this. This is only supposed to be like a 20 minute. Thing. Oh, it is. Okay, great. Well, something like that. I don't know. Um, but I want to read you this one because I feel like it really relates to what we were talking about before about, um, you know, the resistance or the resistance that we can create when we like chase something or try so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one is called you were brave in that holy war. You have done well in the contest of madness. You were brave in that holy war. You have all the honorable wounds of one who has tried to find love where the beautiful bird does not drink. Do you want to follow along? It's on page 271. I'm crying. I'm Already. Page. <laughs> oh my God. What page? Page, what page 271. Okay, hold on, hold on. Shit, should I start over? I'll read the first part fast. You were brave in that holy war. You have done well in the contest of madness. You were brave in that holy war. You have all the honorable wounds of one who has tried to find love where the beautiful bird does not drink. May I speak to you like we were close and locked away together? Once I found a stray kitten and I used to soak my fingers in warm milk. It came to think I was five mothers on one hand. Wayfarer. Why not rest your tired body? Lean back and close your eyes. Come morning, I will kneel by your side and feed you. I will so gently spread open your mouth and let you taste something of my sacred mind and life. Surely there is something wrong with your ideas of God. Oh, surely there is something wrong with your ideas of God. 
if you think our beloved would not be so tender. <gasps> I know, could you die? <laughs> I could die. I know. I know. Because we could just like open our mouths and have God feed us, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, so here we are. Um, I think this is a place to end. Um, I love you so much. Uh, love you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, dude. You're the best. Dude, you're the fucking best. I'm going to stop recording. Okay. Okay. That's our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster. Reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. We really, really get those messages and we really, really answer them. Links and recommendations for this week's episode can be found at ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes drop on Mondays. Most importantly, if you love this show, please subscribe to it, rate it, review it. We love seeing those. That means a huge deal to the show. We're so grateful for you. We love you. Have a great day. This podcast was produced by the incredible Augusta Chapman with help from our amazing coordinator, Hannah Barbakoff, and our very talented sound engineer, Baraka Jenga. The music, which I absolutely adore, is composed by Sean Hokinson. Hokinson.